you, Lord, for your grace. God's grace cannot earn His grace, cannot buy His grace, cannot perform in order to obtain His grace. You can only receive His grace by faith because of grace. He freely receives us as we are. way more gracious than being the God of the second chance. If he was the God of the second chance, we're all in trouble. Right? <laughs> Can't count how many chances we might need because of His grace. It's not a license to sin. Grace is a license to accessing Him at the throne of grace in our time of need. It's kindness that kills us. It breaks our hearts. If you use grace as a reason to sin, you don't really understand it yet, and you'll probably reap the consequences for your choices. God in His grace can allow that. But in His grace, I know by experience, He can also give us crop failures because of His grace. But He's not to be mocked. It is undeserved, unmerited, unconditional love that's given us because of who He is in spite of who we are. And living in light of that changes our want-tos. I don't want to rebel against Him anymore. And when I do, it grieves my heart because he, His love is so awesome. You know, when someone is kind to you, what kind of desire does that create in your heart? You've already received the kindness. The desire to reciprocate is, is generated by kindness extended to us. That's the message of God's grace. Anything I do is a result of His grace, which is sufficient for us. All that we need is found in Him of His grace and not my faults. He takes away our shame. We don't earn our way to heaven. We receive His grace. He earned the way for us by dying on the cross for our sins and fully paying the price. Isn't that good news? That's good news. May we never get tired of that. May our lives be empowered by that revelation. May we grow in our understanding of it. It's the it's the sweet milk of the gospel that is ours to receive. Yes, but don't we have to pick up our cross and follow Him? Yes, but not in order to obtain grace. That's right. Having received grace, therefore we lay aside malice in the evil speaking, the text says. Because of His grace, we live out of a sense of appreciation rather than condemnation. Revelation rather than desperation. Inspiration instead of perspiration. That's the way to live. The grace-empowered life. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Can we show our gracious appreciation to our praise team today? Thank you, guys, so much.
1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 22, Paul tells the believers who are scattered from their homelands and are meeting together in homes and meeting places in northern Turkey, starting over again in a new place. He says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Intentionally love each other from a pure place with no ulterior motives. Having been born again, or because of God's grace, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God. Can we say the Word? The Word of God which lives and abides forever. The Word of God is who God is. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering, and the earth was dark and void and covered with water, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. Psalm 119 says the entrance of God's word brings light. Genesis, uh, John chapter one, that's Genesis 1. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So the word is God himself. It's things that come out of his mouth. It's his promises, his principles, his warnings, his blessings. His word is his words. It's his language. It's his revelation. And we have the Bible that we call his word, but please keep in mind it's not a box in which his word is contained, but rather a lens through which we can hear his word. He's much greater than what these words say that he is, but there's enough here for us to go on. Amen? So his word is awesome. And belief in his word brings us new life. It gives us the privilege of being born again because of his grace. Because the word of God lives and abides forever because, verse 24, he quotes from Isaiah 40, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I love spring in Texas, especially when the wildflowers are out. The Texas blue bonnets are just gorgeous, and the Indian paintbrushes and these yellow flowers we have out here right now. I don't don't know what happened to our blue bonnets, but uh, they're just tremendous season. And I love it right now. Everything's so nice and green, isn't it? Sometimes there's too much rain, but it's just luscious. But come back in a couple months. It ain't going to be the same. The flowers will be gone, and everything will just be be brown. Well, not my yard. Well, that's because you're doing something artificial. You're watering your yard. It has to be watered because grass withers and flowers fade away. But God's Word does not need to be watered. It is always green. It is always fresh. It is always alive, and it never goes dead. In the first service, my microphone went dead because the batteries died. For some reason, they showed green in the charger before service, and they didn't last for five minutes. That can happen to batteries but not God's Word. In science class, I learned that energy can be kinetic or potential, that is, stored or active. A rock on the side of a cliff has potential energy, but when it rolls off the cliff, that potential becomes kinetic energy. All the electricians in the house said, Amen. Uh, You've got potential energy in the sockets in your house, but when you plug something in, the potential becomes Kinetic. The Word of God is filled with potential energy, but when we plug it into our lives, 
through reading, believing, understanding, applying, and obeying, it comes alive and the promises become true. Otherwise, they're just letters on a page waiting to be sown into someone's life. The word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word, verse 25, this is the word which by the gospel or the good news was preached to you. So because you've been born again, because you've heard the eternal word of God, because you've drank the milk of the gospel, therefore, laying aside all malice. Can we say all? Malice is evil intent. Um, Why do we want to lay that aside? Well, that's not the will of God. That's going to sidetrack us, going to distract us, going to subtract from us and get us into things that are just going to generate malice in the hearts of others. You've got to get yourself free. Like all the little girls in America are singing right now, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Shake that thing off like a Polaroid picture. Get rid of it. All malice. Why? It'll come back on you. Who wants to live a malicious life? You're going to reap consequences. Well, i got lots of reasons to be malicious. Well, look back. Maybe you're blinded by your own maliciousness and some of the malicious people in your life that you're paying back maybe are paying you back. Who's going to stop this malicious cycle? As believers, got to let some things go so that we can live a life that reflects the values of the kingdom. So lay aside all malice, all deceit. Can we say all? Uh, The word all implies a plurality. You could say deceits and not do damage to the translation. Lay aside all deceits. Why? Well, you're going to wind up fooling nobody. Eventually the truth comes out. It just does. My daddy used to say, a lie can go around the world while truth is putting his shoes on. And when truth starts marching, look out. You're going to be embarrassed. Check out the deceit that was tried at a Chinese zoo, and now the whole world knows the truth. Families visiting a zoo in eastern China this week were left feeling rather disappointed. As one young boy stood outside the African lion enclosure, he noticed that what was supposed to be a lion was actually a barking dog. Now, in fact, it was a Tibetan Mastiff dog. Now, without warning or explanation, the zoo had replaced many of the fearsome animals with tamer substitutes. Foxes were standing in for leopards, rats were found in the snake cage, and more dogs were found in the wolf enclosure. Now, one zookeeper said the lion had been sent away for breeding, but it's thought the zoo may have been trying to cut costs. Now, I really hope someone locates those animals and they go to their rightful place yet again. Oh, strange. Stupid dog didn't cooperate. We had his mane all fluffed out, but he wouldn't stop barking. Lay aside all deceit, all hypocrisy is implied. The word all is implied, so hypocrisy. We're to get rid of it. You're not going to fool anybody but yourself. In fact, most hypocrisy exists because a person is fooling themselves. Heard a story of a cowboy that uh, was frequenting a Texas bar, and he would buy three beers and go to a table by himself and open all three of them and drink 
a little bit of one, a little bit of another, a little bit of the next one. And just make the rounds till they all three were empty. And then we'd go up and buy another three and go back to his table and do the same thing by himself. He did this once a week regularly. And one day the bartender said, Sir, you know, if you only open those bottles one at a time, they may not go so flat. You could enjoy them more. In fact, I could hold them back here in the fridge until you're ready for the next one. He says, no, I've chosen to do this. You see, I have two brothers. One lives in Dublin, Ireland. One lives in Sydney, Australia. And we used to drink together all the time when we grew up. And we agreed to do this once a week in honor of each other and drink it like this. Bartender said, okay, don't mess with me. I appreciate the business. And this went on for a good season. And, and then one day the bartender noticed he only ordered two beers and went back to the table and did his usual, back and forth, and went up, got two more, went back to the table, back and forth. And he was doing this regularly. So the bartender thought, somebody died. So when he offered his condolences on the decease of a sibling, the cowboy said, no, no, you got it wrong. You see, I've become a badness. I don't drink anymore, but my brothers still do. (laughs) Fooling himself. Lay aside all hypocrisy, envy, envy. One of the roots of envy means to redden. You ever been green with envy or red with envy? It's different than jealousy. Jealousy deals with what you possess and you're jealous over somebody else receiving benefits from your possession. But envy is what somebody else has that you want to possess. It's related to coveting. And it can blind you. You can't see nothing else. It's a parable of an envious man who was approached by the king's subject to appear before the king. The king says, I see you're afflicted with envy. I will give you anything you wish within the power of my kingdom. But the person you envy will get twice what I'm giving you. It didn't take long for the envious man to reply. He says, well, I would like to have one of my eyes removed. Sorry. You know how to get an Aggie to laugh at a joke? Tell him when he's 12. Sorry. Sorry. Aggies are the smartest people I know. Amen. So lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. You ever speak evil of, evil of someone and then only to get egg on your face? You realize God loves a person I can't stand just as much as he loves me. And sometimes it may appear he loves them more so because he has to remove his hand of blessing because of the evil that I'm entertaining in my life. Yes, I know I'm saved by grace, but because God loves me as I am, he's not going to leave me like I am. And so uh, sometimes you eat crow because of your own making. God, God's out for our good. It's, this is about his benefits. He wants to help us here. We speak evil of others that comes back on us. We'll be embarrassed. Uh, when Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, it's known as a literary masterpiece. 272 words can be delivered by memory in two minutes easily. 
At the time of the speech, majority of newspapers praised it, but just so you can prove everybody can't be happy all the time, some newspapers denounced him, and some of those papers don't even exist anymore. One that still exists recanted its criticism, but it called, the Harrisburg Patriot called Lincoln's Gettysburg Address as silly remarks. The New York World, which doesn't exist anymore, accused Lincoln of gross ignorance and willful misstatement with his declaration of fourscore and seven years ago. The Democratic-leaning Chicago Times, keep in mind what the Democrats were standing for back then, the Democratic-leaning Chicago Times observed, the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as Lincoln reads the silly, flat, and dishwatery utterances of this man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the President of the United States. See, the mudslinging's been around for a long time. Who's heard of the Chicago Times? Not even around anymore. The Times of London commented, the ceremony at Gettysburg was rendered ludicrous by some of the sallies of that poor President Lincoln. Evil speaking. Words are cheap, and yet they can hurt. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. They can hurt others, but I'm telling you, they hurt us in the long run. Ruining our reputation, don't tell him nothing, he'll run his mouth. Don't tell her nothing, she'll tell others. Don't criticize others, it's going to come back on you. You think the person that promises not to tell can be trusted? can't. We're sinners. So we're to get rid of all that stuff. What are we to do then in place of that? In place of that unrighteous activity, as newborn babes, verse 2, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. See, it's the graciousness of the Lord that is our milk. If he's gracious, then we're to desire the milk like a newborn babe. I've got a granddaughter that has a siren built into her that'll make your hair stand up. If someone kids, kidnaps her, I think they'll, they'll eventually give her back because uh, when she wants her food, it's amazing, almost supernatural. <laughs> we're to want the Word of God like that. Lord, I need to hear your voice today. I'm hungry for you, see? Such a much better motivation to pursue him when, when we're tempted to be malicious or deceitful or hypocritical or evil in our speaking or envious in our hearts. We run to God like a baby wanting milk, wanting understanding for him, from him. And we grow in those things. Now, if you've not tasted that the Lord is gracious, well, okay, um, Maybe we need to go back to square one and see if you really are a believer. That can happen. First Baptist Church of Glenrose, Texas, a few years ago, the pastor got baptized. He was convicted by his own preaching one Sunday and got saved. It's possible to play the church thing. It's a wonderful culture. People that can be trusted, usually. People that you know want the best 
for others. That's what we're to be. It's a good community to be in. It's possible for you to be part of Generations Church. A church member, yes, taking that two-hour class, or back when it was four hours, or back when it was five weeks, and still not be a true believer. But if you are, you've tasted the Lord is gracious, get a desire in your heart for the Word of God like a baby wants milk. Coming to Him, to Jesus, to the Word, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So these things are operating in our lives through the operation of the Word of God. Therefore, verse 6, it is also contained in the Scripture. So this is also part of the Word of God. He quotes from Isaiah 28. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus' Native American name, chief cornerstone. Elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Christianity, pure Christianity, as Christ brought it, frees us from shame. The other religions of the world can't do it. The world preaches a shame-free form of living, but just let somebody mess up, and then here comes the shame. I give you an example. Let a bus driver go off the reservation or lose it with somebody's brat. And it gets on film and on national news. And the whole nation through social media is just heaping shame on that poor guy. Why? It's not in us to extend grace to people that err. That's why we need grace so that we can receive and give to others. Therefore, verse 7, to you who believe... He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22. So you can reject the Lord, but I'm telling you, He is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of life. And to reject Him is to exclude yourself from being part of what He is building. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject. We have the benefits of God's eternal word. I've told the story before of a guy that scraped his savings together to buy a ticket to sail from Europe to America to make a new start in life. He couldn't afford to eat in the dining room, so he, uh, the the few weeks that it took to came, came, come to America survived on eating crackers and cheese and drinking water. The day they arrived in New York, he's walking the gangway to arrive in the new land. At the foot of the gangplank, bidding people farewell, is the captain. The captain shook his hand and said, Sir, I've never met you before. I thought I met all of our passengers. What table number did you sit at in the dining room? He says, Oh, I couldn't afford to eat in the dining room. This is the first time we met. The captain said, sir, the tickets provide meals. The tickets come with meals provided. That's the benefit of sailing with our cruise line. How many people 
are sailing through life as believers living under their privileges. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your iniquities. Psalm 103 happens to be in the middle of the Bible. The Bible has an even number of verses. So the first half of the Bible, if you were to cut it in half by number of verses, the first half of the Bible would end with these words, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who's ever sung those words in a song? The second half of the Bible, if you were to cut it in half by number of verses, begins with these words, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. The Word of God is an amazing book. May we value it and treasure it and do more than keep the dust off of it, but may we actually read it. The Bible. 66 unique books. Written by over 30 authors with 15 different professions in 11 geographic locations. It contains 10 writing styles in 3 languages compiled over a 1,500-year time span. It deals with topics as controversial as the nature of God, man, and salvation, yet without error. Must be a God thing. Keep in mind that this series is based on 1 Peter, which is a letter written to people who are going through some tough times in life, reminding them of their benefits in the Lord. We have the benefits of God's eternal word. My first point is, like healthy seed, God's word births new life. Can we say new? We read this earlier, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides Forever, And verse 25 says that we've tasted the Lord. His word is, it endures forever. If, and this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The word is like seed. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 4 gave a parable describing our relationship with the word. He basically said this, that we are like soil, different kinds of soil. And the word of God is the gospel or the seed that is sown in our hearts. Some people's hearts are hardened and the seed doesn't take root. Some people's hearts have stones in them, rocks in them. It's hard to grow things in rocky soil. And those are people who don't have much endurance in life. And when an obstacle arises, they give up and the word becomes ineffective. Other seed was sown amongst thorny ground. And thorny ground are like people that have other priorities that compete with the growth of God's word in their life. But seed that was sown on good ground, that is, people that had endurance, people that didn't have other priorities, the Word of God was allowed to have an impact. Now, what is this sowing of the seed of the Word in our heart? Obviously, it begins with reading it and hearing it, but it goes on to believing it. The Word will generate faith in your heart. Understanding it, when you don't understand it, get some help, pray, talk to friends that maybe do understand it or somebody that... You don't even know that might have some understanding of it. And apply it. Begin to walk it out. And that word will produce change in your life. 
just like seed in healthy soil. Like clean water. Can we say clean? His word purifies our lives. Now this is the word, verse 25, which by the gospel was preached to you. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. See, the word confronts the evil in our life. And if we allow it to have an impact in our life, it will begin to bring cleansing. We say cleansing. The cleanness of the word begins to have an impact on the uncleanness of our life. James said the word is like a mirror that shows us like who we are. And people that hear the word but don't observe the word is like a guy that looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. The word shows us the evil in our hearts for a reason, not to condemn us, but for us to see our need for his help to make some changes in our life. In Ephesians 5, exhorting husbands and wives, the uh, writer Paul tells the reader, for husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify her, that is, set her apart or make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water of the word, or cleansing her by the washing of the water in the word. Water of the word washes us. It'll wash your marriage. It'll wash your husband. It'll wash your wife. Now, we're not talking about a fire hose type washing, you know, using the Word of God like a cannon and blowing people away, condemning them by beating them over the head with the Bible, but just deal with one verse. Just pray, Lord, give me one verse to encourage my mate with or to uh, encourage, (laughs) if you know what I'm getting at. The Word brings cleansing in our lives and purity to our hearts and blessing to our homes. Like pure milk. Can we say milk? You got milk? Well, dairy is bad for us. Well, back then they weren't shooting hormones into cattle. And they primarily probably were drinking goat's milk anyway. So, like pure milk, the word nourishes new life. First Peter 2 tells us, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I believe the milk of the word is the message of God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That is like ice cream to our souls. That is, that is like cheese on our sandwich. That is a blessing in our life. Milk of the word. Like solid food, God's word matures our life. While rebuking the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What were they doing? They were competitive. They were envious. They were putting one another down. They were forming sects within the church, dividing one another based on their favorite Christian celebrity. Even so far as who baptized you, well, so-and-so baptized me, you know. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. 
They weren't able for the meat of the word, able to receive the meat of the word because the milk of the word had not yet had an impact. It went in one ear and out the other. They sang about God's grace but never applied God's grace to their lives and to one another. It's not who baptized you, it's who you were baptized into that's important anyway, right? Hebrews 5.13, the writer says, For everyone who partakes of milk is inexperienced in the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the full grown, who because of practice have their faculties exercised for discriminating between both good and evil. So the meat of the word deals with our doing the will of God. It deals with our um, letting go of malice and envy and evil speaking. But we're only called to do that after the milk has had a full impact upon us. And it becomes easy. People that endeavor to live according to Old Testament law keep what they call kosher kitchens. And a kosher kitchen does not mix meat with dairy. They eat meat, they eat dairy, but they don't mix the two. They're kept separate. So a kosher pizza has no, pepper, has no meat on it. wouldn't have pepperoni anyway, but it has no corned beef on it. <laughs> Unless there's no cheese on it. All right. Many times in Christianity, people get their milk and meat all mixed up. They got people earning their salvation trying to take them deep in the Word when they haven't yet become believers yet. I grew up in a denomination that had the milk and meat all jacked up, all messed up. It was like bait and switch. Yes, you can get saved. Oh, oh, but you can lose your salvation and you better hold on, hold on. God's got you by a thread. Oh, you better line up here. Better not go to the movies. If the rapture takes place, you'll miss it. Don't go bowling. Don't go to the roller rink. Everything was a sin except working and eating. Amen. Like Christ, doing God's word fulfills our lives. For this you were called, verse 21 of the same chapter, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So you see, Peter is transitioning from the milk that we're to drink of the Word of God, tasting that the Lord is gracious, to the meat that is following in the steps of the one who told us to carry our own cross. I love this picture to go with this verse. The words of Jesus in John 4, he said, My food or my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was a meat eater. He already knew who he was. He had no identity issues. He had no sin issues. So he was, you know, it's time to eat meat. Well, when the milk has an impact of our life, it's time to start eating some solid food, folks. Our life is about more than just us. I am saved by grace. How awesome that is. But don't stop there. Some people set up camp there, and that's all they do is be saved by grace. 
That's being saved and useless. If grace truly is grace in our life, it will motivate us. I got to serve somebody. I got to do something good for somebody. I got to do something for the Lord that furthers his purpose in the earth because I'm not just a consumer in this thing. I'm a contributor. I'm a disciple of the Lord. I'm following him. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, to walk that Calvary road for the Lord. Like healthy eating, applying his word saves lives. You stop eating, guess what happens? You're going to die, right? You can stop for a few days, but stop forever. So here's what James had to say, the brother of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Can we say all? All this junk, he wants us to lay it aside. The word lay aside there literally means to throw it away. Get rid of it. And receive with meekness the same principle of getting rid of stuff and letting the Word of God take its place. Receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. Well, I I thought I was already saved. Well, there's three aspects to salvation. One is salvation where where you receive the free gift of eternal life. But then there's salvation where our lives are being sanctified. And there's salvation where the Lord comes for his church and we're with him for eternity. So we are saved, we are being saved by the implanted word, and we shall be saved by the return of Christ. It's kind of like this. We are threefold beings. We are spirit, mind, and body. Our spirits are spiritually dead until we're born again, and then we come alive. So our spirits are reborn. Can we say reborn? Our minds are being renewed, transformed by the renewing of our minds. Can we say renew? So reborn, renew, and one day when the Lord comes back, our bodies are going to be, and the older I get, the more I'm excited about this, replaced. Can we say replaced? Reborn, renewed, replaced. So as we grow in Christ, our lives are transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Planting yourself in the word and letting the word be planted in you. I I love this picture. What God speaks to you, embrace it, value it, and let the word embrace you. Commune with the Lord through the scriptures. It'll save your life. The word soul refers to more than your mind, will, and emotions. The word soul refers to your life. Well, I think over 50 souls were destroyed or or killed at that nightclub in Orlando last night. Act of terrorism. Plane goes down. Sometimes the newscaster says X amount of souls were lost. Refers to our life, lives, the whole person. Your life can be saved a whole lot of trouble by receiving with meekness the implanted word. In fact, the word of God will help prevent a good amount of personal prayer requests just by embracing the word. It's true. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. The word of God prevents a lot of trouble 
for us. James goes on to say the next verse, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's not just about hearing the word. It's about doing the word. It's time to do something. Time to apply it. Time to walk it out. Having received the milk of God's word, all that he's done for us. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And then comes the meat. I have a cross for you to carry, Peter. Take up your cross and follow me. Simon Peter, the last chapter of John, chapter 21, towards the end of John's gospel. Jesus told Peter, a day will come when you're going to go somewhere where you don't want to go. This he spoke concerning the death by which Peter would die. Peter turned and looked at John and said, what about that guy? Yeah, he's playing the what about that guy game. Jesus said, if it's my will that he never dies, what is that to you? You follow me. So God has a unique will for each of our lives. And you may look around and say, what about that guy? That doesn't matter. What matters is that we follow him. What does he want us to do? John Wimber said it like this. It is important to be biblically literate. But we must also be biblically obedient. Biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high in our culture. It really is. People say Moses built the ark and, you know, Abraham went through the fiery furnace and all that stuff. And as important as that is, that is not as important as obedience to the Word of God. Now, this little video deals with something big in our culture that competes with the Word of God. May your word become the supreme priority in my life and in our lives, my friend's life, this congregational life. May your word rule and reign. May the milk of the gospel have its full impact in us to where we are sharing milk with others to the point that we want the solid food where we serve your purposes for you because of all that you've done for us. And Lord, may we not forget all the benefits of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard an amazing story recently of a rock band that traveled across the nation over a three-year period, going on several tours with big names. They were like the opening act for um, Bonnie Raitt. They would like the first performers for guys like Tom Petty and Bruce Hornsby. But they were a struggling band. They were poor. They couldn't afford the big tour buses and the 18-wheelers that the big names traveled with. They had a little international scout. Who's ever ridden in one of those? Five young men packed into this scout, pulling a trailer with their equipment in it, 
driving from coast to coast, New York to Florida to California, through Texas, of course, Washington, just all of the nation, parking at these huge venues between these towering buses and trucks is this little international scout and trailer. There were struggling artists who comforted themselves with the thought, we're going to make it big one day. We're honored to be here, and we're going to endure. And so, like amazing young men, they endured and persevered, and one day the wheel came off the scout. Had to be replaced, so they, at their own expense, rented a U-Haul truck. And it was one of these where a door could open between the cab and the, and the luggage area. And so they made themselves a little living area in the front part of the luggage area with couches and pallets and things like that. And one of them was sleeping in, the, in that attic thing above the cab. And then the equipment was behind that towards the door. So they had to crawl through their equipment to get in and out of their deal. And they traveled in that thing, doing most of their driving at night when it was cooler, but also to get to the next venue so they'd be there in time to set up. And one night, the band driver that wanted to drive fell asleep, had a wreck. The guy sleeping up in the bin fell down on the guy sleeping below the bin. And uh, they survived. No one was seriously hurt. So they called the production company and said, we've got a problem. The production company said, no problem. We'll send a tour bus after you. So for the rest of that tour, they rode in luxury with their own driver, their own tour bus, just like the big names. And then it was confirmed that in the fine print of their contract, they could have traveled like that all along. Now, one of the band members knew this and would raise his voice reading the fine print to them, but they had heard, probably through their greedy manager, that if they did, if they accessed that benefit, they would have to pay it all back. And they weren't getting paid enough to be able to afford that. So here they were for three years suffering, struggling artists, living far below their privileges because they didn't understand their benefits. They thought if they received any of them, they'd have to pay them back. Folks, the benefits in the Word of God are ours for free. But the Lord's not going to read it for you. (laughs) The Lord's not going to obey it for you. The Lord's not going to apply it for you. It's yours. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Good, the Bible says. Let's stand. You know, I want to believe that people are going to go home and absolutely just spend the rest of the day devouring their Bibles. I want to believe that. But I do believe this, that this word can have an impact on your life where daily you, read, you can read the Bible till something speaks to you and you stop right there and write that statement down that it spoke to you, and think about it the rest of the day. Memorize it if you want to, but it's important that you allow your thinking to be influenced by the Scriptures, especially the New Testament. And it's something you don't understand as you read. Write down your questions and get with somebody and allow your thinking to begin to be impacted by the Word of God because the world is trying to influence us, something fierce. If you don't believe it, just turn on your TV. They've got cars they want to sell you. They've got credit cards they want to give you. They've got, a, they've got debts they want to put you under. They've got addictions you want to submit, they want you to submit to. 
God has a plan for your life, but they do too. This is so free, we miss it, I think. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God Almighty Himself lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may His word reign supreme 